Welcome to Foundations of Pentecost, dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you will be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Happy Father's Day, first of all. We are in a series um, titled Messages from Malachi. We have a couple more weeks um, to complete the book. So this morning we're going to be turning to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to pick up at verse 7. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite His presence to be with us this morning. Father, we're thankful for the privilege that we have to come before You. I pray that You would be with us this morning. Pray that Your Spirit would just speak to us this morning, Lord, that we would hear what You would have to speak to our hearts, and to, uh, that we would listen for Your voice and walk in obedience to Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to begin reading in verse 7 of Malachi chapter 3. The Bible says, Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinance, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall, you, shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. This morning the title of our lesson is Proving God. Over the past few months, I've had the opportunity to speak to two different individuals who had had bad experiences with churches over the issue of money. Uh, it's often true that the devil blinds the eyes of people and confuses people, and will cause uh, the issue of money to, to become a stumbling block for them because of the own desires of their heart and the desire to keep their money for themselves and, and will blind them to the necessity of giving to the Lord and uh, uh, it becomes a stumbling block for them. On the other hand, there have been those who have stumbled over the issue of giving because there are churches 
and there are ministries who have not taught giving according to the Word of God. There are charlatans out there who take advantage of the gospel to try to enhance their own bank accounts. One of the individuals that I spoke to uh, in recent times uh, was having a problem with some uh, of the televangelist types that have the jets and the multi-million dollar mansions and, and expensive cars and all of this, and they seem to be profiteering off of the backs of people that really can't even sometimes afford the money that they are sending to them. And uh, so it is important that we follow biblical principles of giving because we can become a stumbling block to others when we fail to do so. However, when we follow the biblical principles of giving, we can become a light to those who are without the body of Christ. And we can draw them to Jesus Christ. The first thing I want us to notice in the passage of Scripture that we have read this morning is the disobedience of God's people. In verse 7, the Bible says, Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from my ordinances, and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? The first thing we notice, they were a rebellious people. Before we ever get to the issue of giving and of tithe and offering, he tells them that they have been a disobedient and a rebellious people from the time of their fathers. The Jewish nation, as we look at the history as it is recorded in the Word of God, we find that the Jewish nation had a history of, of turning from God. From the time of the Exodus, they would have periods of time that they would serve God and periods of time that they would turn away from God. From the very beginning, they began to worship the golden calf at, at, and while Moses was in the mountain. And so uh, they turned away from God. And then... They went into the time of Judges, and if we read the time of Judges, we find the cyclical nature of the book of Judges. They would serve God, and then they would go into apostasy. And then the result of their sin and the results of their apostasy would cause them to cry out to God for a deliverer. And God would send them a deliverer, and they would turn their hearts back to God for a period of time. But then again, they would go into apostasy and start it all over again. And then as we move into the period of the kings, again, Israel would uh, worship idols and go into periods of apostasy. And then they would have times of revival and turn to Jehovah. And uh, then they would uh, again go into apostasy until finally God sent them into Babylonian captivity. And now during the period of Malachi, they have, 
been released from their captivity. They have returned to their homeland. And, and as we look at the history of, of Israel, we find that never again did they turn to idolatry. However, during the time of Malachi, even though they were not worshiping false gods, they were complacent in their worship of the one true God. And to God, they were turning away from God just as much by their complacency as they were by their idolatry. Sometimes we think if we name the name of Christ that everything is well and everything is good, but God views our complacency in much the same way that He views idolatry. And it is important that we serve Him with our whole heart. And so He says that they are a rebellious people, turning against God. But God tells them, He says, return to Me. There is a call for repentance. Even though they have gone astray, even though they have gone their own way, God puts out a call to come unto Me. God does not reject His people just because they have become complacent, but He has provided a means whereby they can come to Him, and He calls them to repentance. The message of repentance is for all mankind. We find it here is the message of Malachi. He says, return to the Lord. We find later, and, and, and we talked about, uh, as we looked at the first few verses of chapter 3 last week, that He talks about my messenger my messenger being John the Baptist that would come. The message of John the Baptist when he came was a message of repentance, to turn from our sin and turn to God. Not only was the message of repentance uh, the message of John the Baptist, but it was the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus, when they brought the woman who had been taken in adultery, He told her, Go and sin no more. There was a call to repentance. And then the call to repentance is the message of the church. It was the message of the apostles. And it is to be our message today. A lot of times, if we are not careful, when we present the gospel of Jesus Christ, we present it in such a way that we're saying, Oh, God loves you. Come accept Jesus into your life and accept Him into what you're doing. and into the." But the message of the gospel says, Repent. Turn around. Go the other way. Forsake your lifestyle and take up the cross of Jesus Christ. The message of repentance is a change in direction. In the particular case here in Malachi, he is not only talking about just a change in direction, but he is talking about a change in our loyalty. Our loyalty must be to Jesus Christ and to Him alone. But we must forsake the others in our life. We must change our loyalty. Some people have been loyal to Satan and to the, the enemy of our soul. The Bible says 
in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Not only is there the problem with serving Satan, but sometimes we have a tendency to serve ourselves. If we are going to repent, we must do away with the loyalty to ourself and place it in Jesus Christ. In Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for My sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Not only must we change our loyalty from Satan to Jesus, change our loyalty from self to Jesus, but sometimes uh, we have a loyalty to society or to family, to other things, other people that we must release. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Our loyalty has to be, first of all, to Jesus Christ. And there is a call to repentance, to place our loyalty in Jesus Christ. He tells them they have been a disobedient and a rebellious people. And he asked them to return unto him. But he says, if you will return to me, I will return to you. He says, if you turn to me, I will turn to you. God will not forsake us when we turn to Him. Even though we have gone astray, God's mercy is there. 1 John 1, 9, a familiar passage says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The story has been told many, many times, and probably all of us have heard it multiple times, but of a young man that was seated on a train beside a minister. And as they were going, the young man began to open up uh, to the minister. And, and the minister could tell he was, he was nervous. And, and he, said, he said, well, he said, when, as a young man before I left home, I became rebellious. And, and I turned away. And I went so far as to hit my father. And, and uh, uh, my life was a mess. And it got so bad that my parents had to ask me to leave home and kick me out of the house. And he said, so I have been gone from my parents' home for a long period of time. But said, I recently gave my heart to Jesus and I got saved. And now I am coming back home. And uh, to see them, and the minister asked him, said, well, son, how do you know that your parents will receive you back home when you get there? And he said, well, I wrote them a letter. All of my life we have lived beside these train tracks and there is a large apple tree there in the backyard. And so I told my parents if I am welcome home to tie a white rag in the top of that apple tree and he said I could look out the window of the train 
and uh, if that white rag was in the tree, I would know that when we got to the station, I could get off and come home. And he said, but now I'm scared to look out the window. We're getting close now. He said to the preacher, would you mind to look out the window and see if that white rag is in the tree for me? As they came to the house, the minister said, son, you have nothing to worry about. He said, that apple tree is in full bloom. There are white rags tied all over that apple tree. And there's a gray-headed man and woman standing in the backyard with a big bed sheet waving it saying, come on home, son. Come on home. And that is what God is saying to a rebellious people. If you'll return to me, I will return to you. I will receive you to myself. If you will simply confess your sins before me, I will accept you if you turn to me. Then God goes on to say, You have been a rebellious people. And one of the ways that you have rebelled against me is you have robbed God. You have taken from me. Verses 8 and 9 says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me even this whole nation. First of all, we have to see the purpose of our giving. The purpose, if we are going to understand. In verse 10, the first part of verse 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. There are four basic reasons for our giving to God. First of all, it is to provide for the ministry. Our giving is to support those that do the work of the ministry. Those that labor in the Word of God. It is to provide their support so that they can minister to the body of Christ. A second reason for our giving that we find in Scripture is to care for the house of God. To care for for the sanctuary, the upkeep. It costs money to turn the lights on. It costs money to keep up the house of God. And so uh, part of the reason for our giving is the care of the sanctuary. Then it is to help the needy, to help the poor and needy. Uh, that it is to give to those that are in need. And then last of all, it demonstrates our devotion to God. It says, God, I realize that everything that I have is Yours. It is not my own, and I am giving it to You. There, Just to back up a little bit, one of the major things is to provide for the ministry. And in providing for the ministry, that does not mean simply the ministry here, but the ministry abroad as well. It is to provide for missions. It is to provide for others to go into other parts of the world and carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, 
We notice not only the purpose of giving, but the people of giving. The call to give is for God's people. The call to give is not a call to those that are outside the body of Christ. God never commanded that the Gentiles and and those that were not of the Jewish nation during the Old Testament times, He never asked of them to give to His people. Now, some did, but it is not the purpose of the world. Now, I probably could get myself in trouble here, so I'm just going to tell you that it's my personal view, but I believe my personal view is based upon the Word of God. But I believe far too often, too many churches and too many ministries get carried away in their fundraising trying to get outside sources to fund the church. Sometimes we are disobeying the Word of God when we are putting means for people that are not part of the... The offering, when the offering pan is passed, that is not for somebody that is a visitor here that does not know Jesus Christ. That's not for them to put in the pan. That's for those who have given their heart and life to Jesus Christ. It is not for those... Even even the giving online is not for those who are not part of the body of Christ. And too many times we're trying to solicit funds from people that are not Christians. Malachi insists that the tithe be brought into the storehouse. He says all of the tithe is to be brought into the storehouse. Most of the commentators that I read after believe that not only uh, are they talking about the, is he talking about the individual's tithing, but he is also talking about the Levites who were the recipients of the tithe. For those who received tithe were to tithe off of the tithe that they received. In the book of Numbers, chapter 18, verse 26, the Bible says, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithe which I have given you for them for your inheritance, then ye shall offer up an heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. The recipient of the tithe was to tithe. A true man of God, a true ministry, will not simply take in for themselves or take in for their own ministry, but of their ministry will give to other ministries and will tithe of that and give to the Lord from their ministry. That is why years ago we established within uh, uh, the church here a missions fund. And out of the offerings that come into the fund, unless they are designated specifically for an evangelist or something like that, 10% of those offerings go in to a mission fund to be dispersed 
to other ministries outside of Bethel Chapel. It is not the intent that that be all of our giving, but that be a minimum of our giving. Our giving needs to be outside of our own church. We do not just take in to keep it here at this particular congregation. It needs to be dispersed. And so, he tells them that they are to give of all of the tithe. And then, he tells them that there is a penalty for withholding the tithe. He says they are cursed with a curse. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ... To refuse to tithe brings a curse. Specifically, he was dealing with the nation of Israel. And much of this curse had to do with the agriculture and the withholding of rain. But we are in danger if we claim to be Christians and refuse to give. If we are claiming to be Christians and do not give, we are hypocritical and we are living under a curse. And living under that curse means... It's revealing our heart. And we may not really be ready to meet Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. That's good. There is a penalty for withholding in Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. There is a penalty for withholding from God. And then God tells them in the second half of chapter 10 and into the first part of verse 11, Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, Pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. God says, prove me with your tithe and offering. God wants to demonstrate Himself to us. 
as we see here, first of all, there is material blessing related to giving. Now I understand there are some that that go overboard on this and you know especially some of the the those that are not as honest and that are using the gospel as a means of of trying to obtain money uh they'll tell people if you give God will give back to you abundantly and and they will con people into giving more money than they have because they feel like they're going to get so much back. That's not what he's talking about. But first of all, we must realize that a lot of times, some of the material blessings that are promised in the Old Testament are a national blessing. God is talking to the nation of Israel here. And sometimes we try to take what God is saying to the nation of Israel and apply them to to individuals in the church. And that does not always apply. There are some things that do apply, but we must read the Scripture in context. That's not to say that there is not a material blessing that comes with giving, because there is oftentimes. We rob ourselves of the spiritual blessings that always accompany obedience and faithful giving. First uh, Corinthians chapter nine says, "But this I say: He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully." shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. We're talking about giving here when he's talking about sowing and reaping. And he says, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work, as it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, and He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. The money that rightfully belongs to God, that we keep for ourselves, never stays with ourselves. If we keep the money that belongs to God, we'll lose it somewhere along the way. We must understand that this passage is not a formula for possessing personal wealth. Though some claim this to be true, it is possible to give freely and to obtain wealth, but this is a general principle and not a promise. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 24 says, There is that scattereth and yet increases, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. See, there are other commands that must be obeyed. And sometimes we try to teach and preach, well, if you give to God, He'll bless you abundantly. But you know, if we spend more than we make, It doesn't matter how much we're giving to God. 
there is another principle that we are violating. And so we can end up in poverty rather than blessing, not because of our failure to give, but it could be because we are failing to walk in obedience in other areas of our life. And so before we can ever claim this uh, to ourselves, we must walk in obedience in all of God's commands. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anus and cumin, and have omitted the weighty matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not leave the other undone. We must obey God. And then could I say, we must be careful, because there are good people who have given of their finances to the Lord and still remained poor. God blesses them in ways, but there are some people that never become rich simply by giving. God will supply their needs oftentimes. There are many times that God supplies our needs, but that does not mean that He will make us rich. As a matter of fact, I heard one say when we really get it, first of all we give because we're commanded to give. And then some people give so that they can get. But if we really do it God's way, we give in order that we might receive, that we might have more to give. Then we receive material blessing, but He tells us in verse 11 that the enemy is held at bay. He says the destroyer will not come. The enemy is blocked. A lot of times when we give, God provides for our needs. Sometimes we find that God miraculously and and unexpectedly, there have been those that have received checks in the mail that they never expected and, and from an unknown source or from from just totally to meet a need. And God provided for them just when they needed it. There have been times that people have gone out to find groceries sitting on their porch when they didn't have groceries. But then there's a lot of times it's not so miraculous. If you ever had, and I know you have, there's been times... All of a sudden, you'd have some required overtime at work. And then, a few days later, after you get the check for the overtime that you put in, all of a sudden, a major appliance goes out at home. And God knew the things we needed before we ask. And God made provision 
because we were faithful in giving to Him. I remember one particular time when gas prices skyrocketed. Uh, during the time that the prices were so high, all of a sudden, the gas started going farther in my truck. And I got better gas mileage on my truck until the gas prices came back down. And when the gas prices came back down, I quit getting as good a gas mileage on my truck. God provided. And then... In verse 12, he says, And the nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. When we are faithful in giving to God, others see God's hand on our life, and it points men and women to Jesus Christ. It gives us opportunities and open door, opens doors for us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. By withholding tithes, the nation of Israel was robbing God, they were robbing themselves, and they were robbing others. The industrialist R.G. Letourneau said, If you give because it pays, it won't pay. If we give for selfish motives, it will not accomplish what God intended for it to accomplish in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that it would find root in our hearts. Lord, that it not be choked out by the cares of this life. Lord, not that it be scorched and dry up by trials and tribulations, Lord. But I pray that Your Word would find good soil in our hearts this morning that would spring up within us and produce a hundredfold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.